So before we get into the scenarios and the questions that we want, how do we, how do we deal with, okay, what does a parent do when their child comes out to them? And what do you do if you have a coworker who's gay? Or, um, what if your child comes out to you as transgender? What do you do? Uh, what do you do when you, um, get invited to a gay wedding? How do you respond to that? And if you guys have any other questions, these are the, the main questions that we get a lot. But if there's other questions out there that you may have, please let us know and we could, uh, we could role play that out and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because one of my, my, my and my sister's desire for you guys here, especially today, is for you to search God's word for yourself in response to what's happening in society and um, and to come with that assurance, right? That though the world is changing around us, compassion and love does not mean compromise. And so just like yesterday morning as I was sharing with everyone that God did not give us a spirit of fear, amen? There's nothing to be afraid of. You know what you know. You know what you believe in. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Amen? Now, the one thing I do want to stress is when we're confronted with these issues, sometimes the enemy will cause us to feel anxious, pressured, to have to defend our faith. And that's not from God. When you feel anxiety, um, stress, pressure, to, to answer or to, to defend your faith that doesn't, there's ways, there's interpersonal communication ways to answer somebody and, and, and not succumbing to those types of feelings. Do you get what I'm saying? I think that will become more clear as we go on. Now, <clears throat> remember how I was saying that when we go out to reach souls. We have to study, right? We have to understand what's going on in their community. Why are they so resistant to religion, overall religion, right? And some of them gravitate to other religions like Buddhism, um, pantheism. Um, what else would they, the the popular religious beliefs. They do have Christian churches in Castro. Castro is the gay district in San Francisco. Um, you know, don't be too stereo. This is what we're doing. We're, we're trying to uh, also eliminate the stereotypes that we might have developed in our minds about the gay community. They're not all about a sex orgy. They do have families. More and more gay couples and lesbian couples are having children. Um, some of them do go to church. Some of them do have values in their lives. <laughs> you know? Um, and these are the things that we could tap on. We could, you know, Sister White tells us that we need to look for the commonalities to whomever we're witnessing to. Amen? Um, Look for the commonalities where you can find agreement. 
And Sister White also says, avoid uh, points of contention. That, you know, or, or we are not to treat the evildoer with evil. Amen? So let's study a little bit about the gay community. Um, everybody knows what this is? It's the rainbow flag. It's also known as the freedom flag. Right? Did you guys know that? It's the freedom flag. Okay, and the colors were to represent, I have a lot of history stuff. And another thing also, as you can see here, our email address is here, info at bbhl.org. We are willing to share PDF versions of our presentations with you. If you email me, I will send it to you. Okay? Um, red was for life. Orange was for healing. Yellow was for sunlight. Green was for nature. Blue was for harmony. And purple and violet was for the spirit. Do we see any commonality here? Right? Um, these were the initial intentions of the colors. Later on, as, as uh, the political uh, movement, the equal rights movement for the gay community um, progressed, it, it became more of a symbolism of diversity. A diverse race, sex, and, and identity in people. But these, the, the color symbolization that I just gave you, that was the initial color um, definitions that they, they had intended. Does anybody know what Stonewall was? Okay, this is part, this is, this is an important detail of the gay community. This is, uh, it, it occurred June 28, 1969, and apparently police had a mission to go to um, certain establishments. So the Stonewall, <clears throat> it was uh, a night of police raids. And the police justified it as they were um, targeting certain establishments that didn't have the right license, license, licenses to operate. However, it later came on that it was a police raid to target establishments catering to the LGBTQ community. And uh, a riot broke out. And uh, it, ha it occurred at a place called the Stonewall Inn. Um, and this was the event that propelled the gay rights organizations to develop. So every year, at the end of June, either the second or the last weekend, second to the last or the last weekend of June, every year, what is celebrated? Does anybody know? Gay pride. Gay pride. So they celebrate this. This is the reason why gay pride happens all over the world in major cities across the world, from Europe to the United States. San Francisco is usually around the last um, uh, last weekend of June, and it's the one of the biggest ones. They have a parade. They have booths. They sell food, and uh, there's a lot of partying going on and, and all of that. Um, and I've been to many of them myself before. <laughs> and I was actually in the parade before. 
Um, and that's just giving you a little idea of how out there I was. I was, I was a political activist for the gay community. And, um, and actually, uh, Central California Conference just, uh, funded, um, several ministries and developed several ministries, uh, for San Francisco. One of which I'm leading and it's called Open Arms and it's providing free HIV testing to the gay community. So the goal is to be at Gay Pride next year and offer free HIV testing to whoever wants it. They could, it's self-testing kits. They could take it with them and go away or we can conduct it with them because it takes a matter of 20 minutes to get the results. So it's a means of making a connection but it's also a means saying that we care. There are so many issues in the gay community that we can really find some common uh, ground in service towards them. Amen? Does anyone know who Harvey Milk is? Okay, they made a, they made a movie several years ago about him. Um, Harvey Milk became one of the first openly gay officials in the United States in 1978 when he was elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Does anyone know who Dan White is? Dan White was a San Francisco supervisor also, but often argued with Harvey Milk and Mayor George Moscone on the um, overt homosexuality um, tolerance that was going on in San Francisco. So Dan White shot Harvey Milk and Mayor George Moscone and killed them on November 27, 1978. Now, the fun, this is not funny, of course, but the defense lawyers, the defense lawyers for Dan White argued that he was not having, um, uh, an adequate uh, diet um, because he um, his main staple in his diet was Twinkies. Do you know what Twinkies are? The little yellow hostess things that can last a nuclear blast. Um, <laughs> that and so this came this came to known as as the Twinkie defense. Yeah. Soon after the shooting, he turned himself in at the police station where he used to work. There are reports that his old colleagues cheered and applauded what he did. Dan White ended up killing himself in, in 1985. Are we familiar with HIV and AIDS? Do you guys know the numbers? We all know HIV stands for Human Immunodeficiency Virus. In California alone, nearly 200,000 Californians have contracted HIV or AIDS. Nationwide, 1.1 million Americans are living with HIV. Globally, as of 2012, 35.3 million people are living with HIV.
Now, this was the map depicting uh, where same-sex marriage was legal uh, all over the world. The dark blue um, signifying that um, this is where same-sex marriage is legal and uh, laws have been put into place. Um, the light blue were the areas where they were working on it and getting close to it. Um, the dark red basically is the death penalty if you were caught in the act or found out to be engaging in a same-sex relationship. Now, as we know, as of last June of 2015, same-sex marriage is now legal throughout the nation. So basically that will afford same-sex couples to not only marry, but will be able to file state and federal taxes as joint. So there's benefits that they get. <clears throat> now in the church, um, an organization called Seventh-day Adventist Kinship SDA Kinship has been a supporting and advocating and advocating for LGBTI Adventists and those who love them for over 35 years. They've been around for a while and has regional chapters all over the world and many private Facebook groups for talking to people who understand exactly what it's like to be both Adventists and LGBT. This was actually one of the uh, organizations I found when I myself, in the process, when God was calling me, was getting my attention. I did some research online, and I was trying to find Seventh-day Adventist churches that would accept me. And this was one, but the thing was, I couldn't find a place to go to because they're mainly located in um, Orange County, in the Glendale area. That's where their main meeting place is. And most of the other meeting places are at their own private homes. They have small groups. Now the IAGC is the Intercollegiate Adventist GSA Coalition. It exists to support gay and straight alliance groups at Adventist colleges across North America. IAGC is an unofficial student-led organization that is not recognized or affiliated with any Adventist institution. Now, has anybody heard of the Seventh Gay Adventist film? Has anyone seen it? Okay. Well, it'll be good to see, I think. Um, however, if you yourself is struggling with this issue, personally struggling with same-sex attraction or homosexuality, don't watch it. Um, please don't watch it. But this film basically depicts three couples, two male couples and one female couple. And uh, they talk about how they've been Adventist in, in the church. Um, one, um, this gentleman here used to be a pastor. <clears throat> um, this lady and her partner, this is their ch uh, one of their ch child. They have, I think, three. Um, her and her, her partner actually are very active in, in their Seventh-day Adventist church, um, very involved, love the message. And there was actually, in, in the film, she's being interviewed, and she actually 
hints to the idea, well, if God shows me that there's a way to change, I might be open to it. Uh, and then this young couple here, this young male couple here, um, actually, Lisa, went, you know one of these guys? Oh, okay. Um, this young couple here is planning to get married. And um, in their part of the story, they show um, one of them, I believe this young gentleman here, talking to his brother. And his brother telling him how much he loves him, but doesn't agree with what he's doing. So that's the only um, point that we get from... Um, actually, when this film was being... Um, just started and being produced and the filmmakers were traveling all over the country doing interviews, um, I actually found out and I emailed them my whole testimony. I probably shouldn't have done that, but <laughs> I, I got so excited because I thought it was something else. So I sent them my entire testimony and wrote to them and I never heard from them again. And then I personally met them at San Francisco Central Church um, and uh, introduced myself, and they were like, oh, you're the one who emailed us. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but the film had already come out. They didn't want to include any story of redemption in the film. Now, here's the crux of our problem, and what people need to understand is that this is what the gay people have known for generations after generations, for years, since the early 1900s, or maybe even earlier. Um, and we know, biblically, this homosexuality has existed even before Jesus' time. Okay? But our hearts should really be pained at this picture. Because what's happening here? They're displaying the character of God. They're using Satan's character to, to depict God's character. You see? This is not about us. This is not about the LGBTQ community. This is about God's character, brothers and sisters. And we have such extreme polarization out there in, in, in even in the church there's this very very accepting it's okay you're good to go it's okay whatever you are and then there's this really extreme legalistic get out of here you're going to hell I don't want to be near you kind of attitude right <clears throat> but it, it is God's character that is at stake here and this is what they know about God. And I get a lot from my friends, why am I going to serve a God that hates me? Why am I going to love a God that doesn't love me? Right? And a lot of the questions we get confronted with is, what does your church believe? Right away, they'll be political right off the bat in front of your face. They're like, well, what does your church believe about same-sex marriage? They don't even say homosexuality. They'll say same-sex marriage because it's the political front of it now, right? That's the political front of homosexuality is same-sex marriage. It's about equality. 
<clears throat> but see, brothers and sisters, as God's church, as our remnant, as God's remnant church, we are responsible for this. What have we been doing? We're responsible in how Jesus is portrayed to the world. We were commissioned to share the gospel, to preach and teach and baptize. We are accountable for this. And this is where we can start by apologizing to these people. Whenever we're confronted, you know, we're, and I've done this with someone and it's, and it's somewhat worked and it probably planted a seed. And I had to say to them, you know, I'm really sorry that someone has portrayed God to you that way because I don't believe in serving a God that hates either. You see how that comes across? You see how that interpersonal communication comes across? You've, you've touched them on a personal level. You've resounded what they're experiencing. You are saying, you are affirming what has been portrayed to them. <clears throat> Homosexuality and same-sex marriage, how do, how do we respond in love without compromising? And the first thing that we need to understand is, what does the Bible say about judgment? Judgment. In Matthew 7, 2-4. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? but you don't consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Brothers and sisters, what Jesus was, was, what Jesus was really highlighting here was perception. What is, what has caused you to perceive someone a certain way? What has caused you to perceive someone that you have the right to address their issue. Does that make sense? And he was also addressing, wait a minute, what about your sins? You got a huge plank in your eye and you want to address your brother's sin? And this is Jesus' own words. Sister White says, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Not until you feel that you could sacrifice your own self-dignity or even lay down your life in order to save an erring brother have you cast the beam out of your own eye so that you are prepared to help your brother. Then you can approach him and touch his heart. No one has ever been reclaimed from a wrong position by censure and reproach. By many, but many have thus been driven from Christ and led to seal their hearts against conviction. Now get this, here's the key. Here's a method of Jesus. A tender spirit, a gentle, winning deportment 
may save the erring and hide a multitude of sins. I want someone to search the Bible right now and look for the term, love covers the multitude of sins. And find that verse. And I'm going to go on. And whoever finds it first, just raise your hand. Here it says, the revelation of Christ in your what? Own character. Does it say in your words? It says in your character will have a transforming power upon all with whom you come in contact. Let Christ be daily made manifest in you and he will reveal through you the creative energy of his word, a gentle, persuasive, yet mighty influence to recreate other souls in the beauty of the Lord our God. Now, I know this was a long quote, but there's a lot here pointing us in the direction of what are the methods of Jesus in, in dealing with this. Okay, go ahead, brother, read the verse. What's the verse? First Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourself. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Don't underestimate the power of unconditional love. It covers sin. Now this is for all of us. He who looks often upon the cross of Calvary, remembering that his sins placed the Savior there, will never try to estimate the degree of his guilt in comparison with that of others. He will not climb upon the judgment seat to bring accusation against another. There can be no spirit of criticism or self-exaltation on the part of those who walk in the shadow of Calvary's cross. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing is a powerful book. It's one of my favorites. You know, when, when Jesus dealt with the woman caught in adultery, it was pretty, it was an amazing interaction. It was a miraculous interaction. Because at that very moment, though the woman was being used by the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these people to, to put Jesus in a corner and find out what he will do with this woman, Mind you, how did these people know where to find this woman? How did these men know where to find this woman? Think about it. Right? You get it? Okay. So they get this woman because they know where she is. (laughs) They get this woman... And uh, they, they throw her, basically, at the, at the feet of Jesus and say, Here, Jesus, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with her? What do you say? She's a woman who sleeps around, right? And he just focuses on her. He focuses on her, and he goes down, and he starts writing in the sand the sins of all these men. And each one 
saw their own sin in the sand. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus wrote it in the sand? And so they each dropped the stone and went away. And then his focus is on this woman. And this woman is looking up to Jesus. And Jesus just simply asks her, where are those who condemn you? She looks around and they're not here. But in her tone was a question. They're not here, but you are. Do you condemn me? And you could tell that was her question on her heart because the way Jesus answered her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We like to remember the go and sin no more. But you know what Jesus was doing here, brothers and sisters? He was putting faith in her. Jesus was telling her, I believe in you. You can go and sin no more because I believe in you. This was the miraculous interaction here, brothers and sisters, that Jesus puts faith in us. Though yet while we were sinners, he died for us because he has faith in us. Isn't that beautiful? Now, do we have faith in one another like that? Mercy, right? We are so confounded with doubt when we're confronted with people who are different from us and we conclude that they're not going to be saved, right? Up to what time? 11, okay. Okay. All right. So we'll um, end this section. In the next session, we're going to go into our little scenarios. But let me finish this thought here. Imagine that, brothers and sisters, if we could have that kind of faith in one another. If we could have that kind of faith in our children, in our coworkers, and have faith that Jesus in us, it's not us. Amen? It's Jesus in us. Do we have faith in that? And if we're questioning our faith about Jesus in us, then there's something we need to do, right? Men undertake the job of tinkering up the defective characters of others and only succeed in making the defects much worse. They would better leave God to do his own work, for he does not regard them as capable of reshaping character. God will hold us accountable for even a word spoken in contempt of one's soul from whom Christ laid down his life. When we are brought in conflict with the enemies of Christ, here's another method. Take note of this. This is another method. We should say nothing in a spirit of retaliation 
or that would bear even the appearance of a railing accusation. He who stands as a mouthpiece for God should not utter words which even the majesty of heaven would not use when contending with Satan. We are to leave with God the work of judging and condemning. I've talked with many pastors, and a couple of them, it was hard to hear that they believe that condemnation is necessary to bring one to Christ. <clears throat> In the Mount of Blessings, page 125, I don't have this quote for you to see, but it says, Whoever presumes to judge the motives of others are placing themselves on the side of Antichrist. It's the Mount of Blessings, page 125. You know, in James 4, it says, Do not speak evil against one another. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and the judges of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? That's James 4, 11 and 12. <clears throat> what can you do to support those who are struggling? Brothers and sisters, there's no different method to minister to someone who's a drug, a drug user, who may be promiscuous and prostitute. Go to San Francisco, you'll see prostitutes everywhere. And a lot of them are transgender prostitutes. And you know what the saddest thing is? They, they get beaten and hurt and killed. There's no different method in approaching one who's struggling with homosexuality or same-sex attraction. There's no specialness about it but there are certain considerate there are certain things to take into consideration right <clears throat> unfortunately in our christian minds we have concluded for some of us we have concluded that the gay community is unreachable untouchable and incurable but as my sister shared yesterday with regarding the leper, Jesus touched the untouchable and received no defilement. Do we have that faith? Do we have enough faith to be able to touch and hug someone and know that you won't be defiled because of Jesus in you? Now, we get this a lot. What if they're born that way? They say that they're born that way. Should we tell them that they're not born that way? Oh, please don't do that. You know, it's a, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's a fruitless argument to have, brothers and sisters. Seriously? Come on now. We are far from where we used to be as far as our physique, our health, our genetics. There's all bunch of twists and turns now in our genetics. There's a, many children are born with diseases now. We are far from it. What man, what man used to be, what man, how God created man. 
So the converting power of God can transform inherited and cultivated tendencies. Look at that. Ellen White says, cult inherited? What does that mean? Born with it. Generation to generation. And you know what? It coincides with God's word when it says, sin follows us through the fourth and third and fourth generations. So it... I'm born this way. Okay. I'm not going to argue that. And just as Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus, he goes, yeah, I could see why you're born that way. But all I'm asking is to be born again. Jesus just asked us to be born again. But you know what, brothers and sisters, not, that's not just about claiming Christ and getting baptized. Being born again is a, is a journey of healing. Jesus says, be born again in me. Grow up in me now. And I will take you full circle. I'll take you full circle in all areas of your life where you need healing. That's why you need to be born again. It's not about reclaiming Christianity. It's not about reclaiming Christ as your Savior. It's not only about that. It's about your healing and growing up in Jesus. These young, tempted souls who have to contend with inherited and cultivated tendencies to evil need your sympathy and patience. Do we have patience, brothers and sisters? And love. You should speak words of encouragement to them. They are members of Christ's family. They should be bound to your hearts by the silken cord of love. They must be instructed to come to Christ and find rest in all their temptations and burdens. Here's another method that, G that Sister White points out. Another method of Jesus. Heaven is waiting and yearning for the return of the prodigals who have wandered far from the fold. Many of those who have strayed away may be brought back by the loving service of God's children. You know, instead of spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to contend with these souls, that same amount of time should be spent <laughs> figuring out how can we serve them. It would work out a lot of humility in us, wouldn't it? Real love doesn't demand anything in return. We must show love to homosexuals regardless whether they want to change or not. And that's a thing we do a lot, brothers and sisters. We, it's human nature. We all have done it. We try to determine who's more worthy of our love and attention and patience. We measure the worthiness of someone. We measure if they're worthy of our time. We also measure the worthy if, if they, they are worthy enough to deserve our respect. 
You know, when Jesus dealt with the demoniac, Jesus was very respectful. Jesus was very tender, respectful, even towards the people of that town. Jesus granted their wish for him to leave. But you know what he did with the man who wanted to go with him? When the man said, can I go with you? And Jesus said, no. You know why? You know what Jesus was telling him? Because I left you me. I'm in you now. And I have faith that when you go share with them what I've done for you and the compassion that God has shown you, I have faith. And that's why Jesus came back around to that town again. Jesus puts faith in us, brothers and sisters. I'm going to leave it here. Um, actually, I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to read this. It's hard to read on the screen. Um, more and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. It is a privilege to have the time to practice the simple ministry of presence. Still, it is not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or be part of some impressive, huge project, is so strong that soon my time is taken up by meetings, conference, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It is difficult not to have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own, and to let them know with words and handshakes and hugs that you do not simply like them, but truly love them. And this was written by a Catholic priest, Henry Nguyen. God has his people everywhere, right? So we'll take a break, our 10-minute break, and then we'll continue. Um, and we'll be prepared to come back, and we're going to do uh, scenarios. I'm going to need a couple of volunteers. Um, and we're going to be up here in front. And, um, yeah. So let's close with a word of prayer, and um, let's take a 10-minute break. <clears throat> let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've held me up here in front of your people and for the healing, Lord, that you've given me. Father, I thank you for bringing more healing to our brothers and sisters here. And Father, in opening our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to how powerful your love is. Bring us all back here, Lord, with uh, prepared to participate. I thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen.
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.